Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 140, and we are recording on Thursday, November 10th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing today? Hello, Katie. Um, I come from, uh, once again, hurricane land. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. I, I am sitting here, and thankfully, just we have, like, the outer bands and different things here. So, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of used to this, but um, I'm just knocking on wood that the power maintains <laughs> its stability, um, but it's always an adventure. But, I mean, if we're going to record a mystery and thriller podcast, it makes sense to do it while there's a storm outside. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of surprised it's not storming here because it has been unseasonably warm in the over the last week and a half or so in Midwest land. Like it was like 72 today. My goodness. Yeah. It's like where it was here. Yeah. And I mean, we've definitely had periods in the Chicago area where it's like, you know, November into December, it's still like 60s. But today, everyone was coming up with like as many excuses as they could to go outside. Like <laughs> this morning, I was I was working the the circulation desk and I realized we need cha- needed change. I'm like, I'll walk to the bank and get change. <laughs> and so I just had myself a nice little five minute stroll. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, it is so nice out. But it's gonna drop like 30 degrees by tomorrow. So yeah, that's the way it's gonna be here this weekend. So I'm moving this weekend. And so I've been taking the corgis out as much as possible. Dylan, uh, my older corgi, he loves his little window of 65 to like 80 degrees. Mm. That is his favorite he complains about the weather so much, like an old man would, <laughs> kind of expected. So he's been loving it. But today they were not having it. They wouldn't even go on the porch. They're just like, nope, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm the same way when it comes to bad weather. I did not inherit that Midwestern gene that like whenever there's a bad storm or like a tornado watch or something that drives everyone out to their porch to look at the sky and be like, wow, look at look at that color. I'm I'm always the one that's hiding in the basement. I'm just like, we're not supposed <laughs> to be outside. <laughs> well, I, I grew up in Southern Ohio and I was definitely the person that was out in the rain. Like I had a whole Facebook album my senior year of high school of me just out in the rain, like moody shots <laughs> of like me in the rain. And it was very very on brand for that time period. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I, and I was going to say, you know, thankfully, we don't have, you know, don't usually have to worry about too much about storms this time time of year. But I'm also really not looking forward to the snow. I, every, every year that I have to live at a, in a place where I do not have garage access, 
um, every year I hate snow more and more. <laughs> that sounds cold. Oh, yeah. The more times <laughs> I have to scrape ice off of my car and end up running late to work because the universe decided to dump a random six inches on us and then have it like completely freeze over. I'm just like, I am so done with it. <laughs> so I'm I'm not looking forward to those days. And I'm just like, look, if it's going to get colder, it's going to get colder. But please keep the snow to a minimum. <laughs> Well, we will cross our fingers and see what happens. At worst, you can just read one of those like slasher horror novels set in the snow, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I've done that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple that spring to mind instantly, and I'm just like, ooh, this was not a good choice to read this during the winter. But, <laughs> but thankfully, we're not there yet. We're just dropping down into the 30s, and I'm like, okay. It's all right. If, there's a, if, there, if we're going to get even flurries, it's not going to stick. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Can you tell I'm I'm handling the time change real well? <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. We are we are ready. I feel like we are definitely the old biddies, like <laughs> putting on our multi layered socks to get ready for the cold. Oh and, yeah, you know our little tea cozy yep. was crocheted by you know our niece or nephew <laughs> in craft class. Um, a summer camp that was very specific anyway so we're very excited as well we're kind of getting into the mood of the holidays today so i'm very excited about it and whether you have snow or not during the holidays we have something for you yes very much so before we even jump into that real quickly have you have you had a chance to read anything recently with all of with all of the natural disasters and moving shenanigans that you've been dealing with I have been reading a lot of nonfiction because I also write Book Riot's True Story newsletter. And Kim, my co-editor, I love her. She is going off to greener pasture. So I'm doing two of those now a week. So I'm trying to combine more true crime. So if anyone would love to send me true crime recommendations, feel free to email us. And that would be wonderful because I can, you know, have the best of both worlds. Oh, good. Well, I've got, I was going to say, I've got a, I've got a true crime pick that I'm going to be talking about later. I'm very excited about it. But yeah, no, I, my, in terms of just reading anything, the last, you know, however long it's been since we last recorded, my brain has just been absolutely fried. And I've been listening to my 2010s pop playlist on (laughs) Spotify, basically. (laughs) So lots of, lots of Jennifer Lopez, a lot of Kesha, and yeah, just a lot of stuff. I think there's some Imagine Dragons thrown in there. Like, that's kind of the level that I'm operating at right now. The grad school survival playlist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, with that, before we jump into our holiday spectacular bonanza thing, <laughs> let's go ahead and hear from our first sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. 
All right. So if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so delighted to have you with us. If you are a new listener, welcome to the fold. We are always excited to have new listeners join us. And like we talked about at the beginning of the show, we talk about mysteries, suspense, thrillers, true crime, anything that falls under that mysterious and suspenseful umbrella is fair game for us to discuss. And this is the part of the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for future show suggestions. We really, really, really do take a lot of these ideas into consideration when planning future episodes. Honestly, it helps us out because you know, if we can't think of a good topic, we want to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. And it really helps us expand our own reading horizons in that way. So it can be, you know, a subgenre that we haven't really explored a whole lot. It can be author read-alikes. It can be talking about some big movie adaptation. It can be talking about some, just some big newsworthy item. We can, I mean, the the sky's the limit, basically. So if you have any ideas or recommendations, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We will have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. We just always put the call out ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing while you listen to the episode. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from our from our listeners just in general. It always makes us so happy. So hit us up if you want to just leave us a note. We, we love that. And if you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, um, every year, the Book Riot podcasts all do a holiday gift guide episode because, you know, holidays are fast approaching. And this is always the time of year where I look at the list of friends and family and go, oh my gosh, what do I get for these people? (laughs) And if your friends and family are anything like my friends and family, they never have any specific ideas. And it's just like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, don't get me anything. And I'm like, okay, you got to work with me a little bit. So yeah, so we all we always like to send out some suggestions that may that may help you on your own holiday gift giving odyssey because <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. Like I don't know, Kendra, are your are your relatives and friends and and acquaintances are they? Do you find that they're easy to buy for? Are they difficult? Do they will they accept books as gifts? How 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 do they fare? Well, my family is very into Christmas and we have a lot of, I want to say sacred, but it's not like a religious sacred to us, family lore sacred holiday traditions. And it involves a list. So basically, we're more of list people. But my husband's family is a, oh, I don't know, just get me something. And it's kind of like a test, you know, And, and as an in law, I take this test very seriously. Thankfully, we draw names. Um, all the adults draw names. So you're only buying for like two people a year, but you still like, okay, this is, I need, I need to pass the in-law test to stay in this family. Um, what am I going to do? So I am here for the people who may be in that case. Um, I also have seven and counting nieces and nephews who I all still buy for. So I have some of that recommendations for everyone today as well, because that that's a lot, honestly. I don't know how like they I don't know how there's so many. <laughs> I was like, we only have like, you know, three 
siblings between us. So I don't know how I have so many, but I love them all. <laughs> They're wonderful. <laughs> uh, when you, I mean, when you, we, in my family, like we do, we will do lists, but as an adult, it gets harder and harder to come up with a list. And quite frankly, like half the time, like I put a ton of books on my list and like my family is like, oh, but you read so many, so many books. I didn't know what to get you. I'm like, they're right there. <laughs> or they're like, or, or they'll say something like, well, you already have enough books. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. There's no such thing. But my, my mother-in-law, she, we commended her this year. She waited until after Halloween had passed before she started asking us about Christmas lists. So I'm like, oh, she showed a little, little bit of self-restraint. Some years she'll, she'll get us before Halloween. She's like, well, I have to take advantage of all the pre-holiday shopping. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, um, as difficult as it can be to come up with a list, she's the one that sends us weekly text messages and Blaine and Katie, I haven't received your Christmas lists yet. <laughs> My mom does that to my husband and he just like implodes. I start building my list in the summer <laughs> and I, I have an Amazon list and then they can go wherever to buy. It's just the easiest place to have it all. And then I add add my husband's and I just in the notes say who it's for and you can set priority in there. So my mom really likes that. So she's always texting us. And if we do not have it to her by Thanksgiving, we'll be tied. Oh, Yeah. She will be texting you every day. <laughs> yeah, heads will roll. <laughs> yes, in the best way, of course. Mm -hmm. We we love our gift-giving parents. But I really honestly love the holiday season. My family's love language for a 90s reference there for you um, is gift-giving. And we consider that a very important part of how we show love to one another. And it can doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, you can just, you know, you know, when we were kids, we'd print off coupon books, you mm -hmm. know, or like one hug or whatever, but um, it's a really a great way to show the people that you love by thinking through what they like. And that's something that I really like about today is that we've kind of like uh, gotten like the trope of the person you're giving to because we all have that uh, true crime lover or kids who love mystery novels or so many of those, like we all have those in our lives. And so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that today. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's I was going to say, actually, that's a great segue into my first pick, because one of the first things that I thought of when we were discussing, like, okay, you know, what, you know, what type of reading interest might someone be likely to, you know, have in their circle already? And my first thought was the true crime fan, because of, for better or for worse, how popular true crime is as just an overall genre. And especially with all of the different documentaries that have been that have been airing on Netflix and whatnot, like the it, it, true crime is like really at its peak right now. And so my first pick, I when I was thinking about true crime, the first thing that came to my mind, which and this could be a, a whole other episode, was the Netflix series Monster about Jeffrey Dahmer. Now I'm not getting getting into that show. I did watch it and. I have thoughts about it. But I was thinking about a lot of the criticism that has been that the show has received about how it, you know, how much of it is focused around Jeffrey Dahmer and like the the person who committed these really heinous, absolutely heinous acts. And so I went in a direction of okay, so if you've got let's say you've got someone in your family that is obsessed with true crime, they watch the Netflix shows. And this suggestion, I think, can fall in with their, you know, with with their true crime interests. 
but give a different perspective on, you know, some of these crimes and just the subject matter kind of ties in with with the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. But anyway, the book that I uh, want to recommend for if you're buying for a true crime fan is Last Call, A True Story of Love, Lust, and Murder in Queer New York by Elon Green. And this book won the Edgar Award for Best Fact Crime in 20, this year in 2022, I think it was 2021 or 2022 recently. So with this book, the title kind of gives, you know, the general premise of the story away. But in the uh, late 80s and early 90s in Manhattan, there was a series of murders of gay men. And for a long time, like the the person who was who was dubbed the last call killer because he seemed to find his victims at bars and clubs like right around right around closing time and they would leave and then they would later be found dead and the cases and the crimes had all of the hallmarks of the like when we think about the most notorious serial killers like it had all of these hallmarks but because of the lot of different elements, including the fact that these were all gay men, the murder rates that were happening in New York City, the AIDS epidemic, all of this really combined to A, keep law enforcement from finding who this killer was, and B, just kind of ensuring that the that these murdered people have almost been you know, entirely forgotten until the, you know, until this book came out. So with the, with this book, I see this as, as the, not the opposite of the, the Jeffrey Dahmer series, but with that series, you're looking so closely at that one singular person. With this, you're looking at the victims. You're looking at the time period in which this happened. You're looking at you know, all of these factors that really created the perfect storm of that allowed this person to kind of escape detection. And it I think it really shines a light on the the people who, you know, the people we lost because because of this this man. And I think that is that's really necessary as, you know, because true the popularity of true crime is not going to go anywhere like it's it's just not but you know i think it, i think it's important to have these different perspectives and to keep the victims and the larger context and all of these things in mind when we consume true crime and this is all sounding really heavy for a holiday gift giving episode but i just kind of want to explain you know why i w- i want to recommend this for you know if you have a true crime you know, a true crime fan in, in your inner circles. Like the the concept of the book, you know, it's, you know, it is a serial killer that went undetected for a really, really long time. There's, you know, this in, these investigations and, you know, kind of coming up with these dead ends. Like there there's that element to draw in that, that true crime interest. But along the way, it's going to, it offers a, a broader perspective of what's been going on. So I think this is, this is a really, a good pick for that interest for a couple of reasons. Now, Kendra, have you read this book? I know I I had been seeing it forever for a long time, but I didn't get around to picking it up until just recently. I started listening to it on audio. Well, I actually did pick it up. I got about 25 
percent of the way through and I was enjoying it, but it was just not the right time. It was last year when a lot of chaos was happening. Um, so I was like, you know what, this is the right book, but the wrong time. So I do want to pick it back up because it is a really great investigation, not only into the true crime element or the crime that's happening, but like why we as readers are fascinated. And so the author does talk about like their philosophy in writing the book and wanting to focus on the lives that were lived as opposed to uh, the guy who murdered all of them. Yeah, I think that's really something that I, at least for me, I try to keep that in in mind when I'm when I'm consuming true crime, so to speak, because there is that fascination with the darker elements. Like there's there's just no way around that. Um, I think that's inherent for a lot of people. But yeah, I think keeping the the focus on the people whose lives were cut short and and their loved ones, the the lives that they led, and just the larger context that they that they lived in, I think is is really, really important. And keeping these stories grounded and, you know, preventing them from, you know, shooting off into, you know, just salacious melodrama. Ooh, salacious melodrama sounds like a good band name. <laughs> does. You'll have to write that one down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, before I get too off track with that, um, yeah, so that pick is Last Call, A True Story of Love, Lust, and Murder in Queer New York by Elon Green. And my first pick uh, is Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And I chose this book for the middle grade kids in your life. Um, I, like I said, I have a lot of nieces or nephews. My oldest nephew, he is 13. The youngest is like a year and a half. So quite a range, but the older ones are now getting into middle grade. Um, my nephew was always very sensitive. So something like with ghosts or stuff we had to be careful with. But if you have like a spooky, loving middle grade, this would be perfect. It, perfect to read with them. I love having like a casual book club with my nieces or nephews. I read a ton of middle grade because I knew I wanted to share all these books with my nieces and nephews. So it is one of the joys of Christmas to be able to give them new books. And I love being that aunt. Um, I feel like I'm a soft goth buddy the elf <laughs> when it comes to the holidays. So very joyful, but also like, here's the spooky thing, you know, for for the holidays. Um, so this story is about Lucy, and she lives with her dad um, in St. Augustine, which is one of the most haunted towns of the country. I'm not sure if, you, if it's a great place to tour. Lots of great ghost tours in the fall would recommend. Um, and her dad actually does one of those ghost tours. But what's interesting about Lucy's family is that she can actually see the ghosts of her ancestors in her house. And they kind of appear at night as fireflies, but then she can see them around her house. And so one day, her grandmother's firefly starts going out, and she doesn't know why. And so the mystery of the book is her trying to figure out what's going on with the fireflies. Why are the fireflies of her ancestors fading? What's happening with the magic involved in that? So she and her friend and um, her friend Sid's grandmother's tubby tabby chunk. <laughs> like the cats in this book are phenomenal. I just will say if you're a cat person, this is it because like, oh my stars. Anyway, so there's a lot of like antics, um, a lot of the whole running around the neighborhood as kids stuff that we did and my age did. <laughs> we ran around the neighborhood. 
I love this book, and I think it would be a great gift for a fun read for the kids in your life. Great for like nine, 10, 11, 12. Again, it depends on the child in your life. So make sure you know you check with that so you're not giving a sensitive child something about ghosts and they would be terrified and you feel horrible. I may have done that before. <laughs> so I, yes, definitely go check out this book. Katie, have you read this one? No, I am. I sadly am not up to date with middle grade fiction. Um, there, God, there, the number of books that are published, like I just kind of marvel at the selection of new books that come in to our children's department at work. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what a wealth of riches. I would have like, being a middle grader right now, I'm just like, oh, this this would be amazing. But the book sounds delightful. And as soon as, soon as you said tubby tabby, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm sold. I love, I'm like, we, we, had a, we had a tubby cat growing up. I have a special soft place in my heart for tubby cats and ghosts. Yes. We also had a couple, my cat, Sam. Yes, that is also my husband's name. But Cat came first. Anyway, so Sam is a Maine Coon mix, and he was just a very rotund, fluffy orange cat. And yeah, so I also have a soft spot because they're just so cute. You know, they're living their best lives. <laughs> yeah, I, this this one sounds amazing. And I definitely need to make sure that our library has ordered a copy because that really, really sounds delightful. Yes, and Ortega has written other books that have come out um, that are also kind of spooky. I believe that she wrote The Witchlings, which I own. I bought it. I had a pre-order of it. I just haven't listened to it yet because of chaos of my days. But uh, I'm so excited about this author, and she has become one of my auto-pre-order middle-grade authors. So that is Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. All right, before I jump into my second pick, let's go ahead and hear from our second sponsor. Okay, so I think I thought of myself when I came up with this trope was the person who loves intense stories. <laughs> and I mean, as I have said so many times, dark, demented, and disturbing is like my brand. And so if someone says that they're looking for a hard-hitting story, whether it's scary or just super suspenseful or emotional. I'm like, look, I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you with all of the intense emotions <laughs> here. And there were a lot of books that I could have chosen for this one. But th yeah, this, this book I have talked about on the show before. I read it Oh gosh, I think I think it was earlier this year. I mean, what is time anyway? But this book was intense in a couple of different ways. And this book is Her Name is Night by Yasmin Ango. And this is the first book in the series featuring uh, Nina Knight, who is a highly trained assassin for this group called the Tribe, which is a basically a this clandestine international organization dedicated to the advancement of the people and countries of Africa around the world. So this book was super intense. And it starts off with, like, with a note from the author like, hey, here are the trigger warnings for this book. And she was, I mean, she was right. This book is intense on a couple of levels. There are two stories happening at, well, not at once, but you're alternating between the past and the present timeline. In the present timeline, Nina 
is given an assignment, um, an assassination assignment, and she realizes early on that something about the like the person who ordered this, and there's something going on here that has connections with her previous with with her past. And when you go back to the past timeline, you find out that she grew up in a small village in Africa that was burned to the ground and raided by a larger group of people and her home was destroyed. And then to make matters worse, she ends up being being sold into human trafficking. And so that is where there there's an immense amount of intensity here in terms of just the the brutal descriptions of what she goes through and the author never you know it's it's never gratuitous the descriptions of what happens it's just it's kind of i don't want to say matter of fact because it's not it's it's just presented as like yeah this you know this happened and it's just you know the brutality and the and the reality of it is really really difficult like it you know for someone who you know i feel like i have a pretty decent, I don't want to say tolerance, but you know, for for these difficult subjects, I can usually roll with it pretty well. This one was tough, but she helps create just a really strong, resilient character. And by the end of the book, like I was almost like in tears by the end of the book. And it is a rare mystery or suspense novel that makes me want to cry. Like, so that's what I'm talking about when I say that it delivers intensity on like two different levels. You have the intensity of, you know, just the horrific abuse that sh- that Nina goes through before being basically adopted into this family that runs the tribe. And so she kind of takes on the family business and becomes an assassin. But you have the the emotional weight of what she went through and the the trauma and coming to terms with what happened. And it's just, it's so well done. And yeah, just a really, really powerful read. So if you have someone in your reading circles who, you know, wants that emotional hit, this book will do it for sure. It's, yeah, extraordinarily well done. And just as a side note, this is one of the most gorgeous book covers that I have ever seen. It is just, oh, is is just beautiful. So, Kendra, I think I talked about, well, I know I talked about this, I think, when um, Nezra was co-hosting, but, like, have you have you read this book at all? Or have you heard it heard it discussed in your circles? Because this was a book that, um, like, I had heard about a little bit, but it wasn't getting a ton of attention when I first came across it. No, I don't, I don't think I have heard of it before, actually. So I feel like it's definitely something that I want to look into because I feel like since we, we both work in books, if I haven't heard of something, I'm like, huh, why is this, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Also worth noting is that the author, Yasmin Ango, she uh, won the 2020 Eleanor Taylor Bland Award for Emerging Writers of Color. Um, so that, I think, is where she really kind of got her start. And this is her debut novel. And oh, cool. her second book in the, I believe this is supposed to be a trilogy. Uh, the second book, is again, has an absolutely gorgeous cover. And this book is They Come at Night. And apparently this was published um, a couple of months ago back in September, which, again, somehow I just... <laughs> 
that the last few months have just been bonkers. Apparently this passed my awareness, so I need to uh, rectify that immediately and pick up the second book. But this book is just staggeringly good. Love it, love it, love it so much. Um, so this could also be a good pick if you have someone who says that they've pretty much read everything and wants something new that they haven't heard of. There you go. <laughs> Twofer. <laughs> but again, the book is called Her Name is Night by Yasmin Ango. So my next pick is for the young adult in your life. And I feel like young adults can be very difficult to buy for because they get very opinionated, you know, as teenagers. But one of the things that I think a lot of uh, book-loving young adults love, say that five times fast, <laughs> uh, are mysteries and thrillers. So I want to recommend this one, particularly if the teenager in your life is an audiobook lover. So my pick is Sadie by Courtney Summers. And this is actually framed as a podcast. So this guy, Wes McRae, has, you know, heard of the case where Sadie, who is a missing young woman, she is an older teen, and uh, he starts this podcast trying to find her. So the audiobook is edited like a podcast. You sound It sounds like you're listening to one. And then enter, you know, spliced in between West McRae's podcast chapters, we actually get Sadie's perspective. And we learn that her sister Maddie is found dead and Sadie is looking for the killer. And so that's really the whole story. I don't want to give any spoilers because it's only about 300 uh, pages, but I really enjoy listening to this book. We actually were driving up to my parents for the holidays when my husband and I listened to this book. And it definitely kept our interest driving through the Kentucky mountains, for sure. Yeah, this guy. This was a book I remember. I actually I did pick it up on audio a couple um, a few years ago. But again, you know how you said like right book, wrong time. That mm -hmm. I I got I think about twenty five percent into it, and for whatever reason, my brain was just not gelling with audiobooks at all at the time. And so this one has absolutely been on my pick this up again list because this is a book that even people who I wouldn't classify necessarily as, you know, like hardcore mystery or suspense readers, but they've read this one and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to read this one. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know why it didn't gel with me the first time. <laughs> I'll do better. I promise. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I haven't picked up anything else from Courtney Summers, but she's gone on and wrote, uh, written other stories. Uh, but for this one, just as a heads up, uh, the, if you're giving this to a teen in your life, um, it does have obviously violence against women and girls um, and sexual assault. So just be, you know, informed as you give this as a gift, probably older teen, but obviously, you know, the teens in your life. So we love an informed choice. But also like if you have someone who is an adult and enjoys reading young adult literature, that would be also a great gift. A lot of these, when I go to book overstock stores, if I see books I gift a lot, I just pick up a giant stack and just you know, buy them and then wrap them and then give them out as gifts. It's always nice to have something on hand as well. So would recommend. <laughs> and so that is um, Sadie by, by Courtney Summers. All right. So finally, my last trope description of the hypothetical person <laughs> that you are buying for. This is definitely driven by working in a library. And this is the person looking for their next book club pick. 
And I work at a library where we have a very large group of readers that are always, oh my gosh, the number of book clubs that are happening in this tiny little town, like there's only, there's less than 6,000 residents, like closer to 5,000. I don't know how, like how there are so many book clubs happening, but we always have people coming in that either have a list of books that they are picking up for like the next several book club meetings or they're looking for suggestions. So I imagine that a lot of you probably have a reader in your life that is similar. They want to hear about the buzzy books. They want to have a book that's going to spur a lot of discussion. And so for this pick, I selected Death in the Family by Tessa Wiegert. And this is another book that I talked about a while ago. This was this is a uh, fairly short novel. It's the first in a series, and this is a really good pick if um, especially if the person your book club person is interested in this kind of the, the like the resurgence of like the golden age of mysteries that we're seeing a lot of. This has a lot of those same elements. It's very much a locked room mystery. Actually, it is literally a locked room mystery. So the the story starts with Shayna Merchant. She is a former uh, NYPD detective, and she, in her past, she had barely survived being abducted by a serial killer. And so now she is hoping to kind of leave the intensity of New York City behind. And so she's taken a job in her fiance's hometown in the Thousand Islands region of upstate New York. And so she gets called in, she and her uh, fellow investigator, Tim Wallington, are, they get a call about a man who has gone missing on a private island. And so they travel there and it's owned by the Sinclair family, which they are just obscenely wealthy. And said so they go there to question the witnesses. And so what they find when they get there is blood at the scene. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a little bit since I read the book, the person who has disappeared, there is blood in his bedroom, but the door and the windows are all locked. And they're like, where did he go? <laughs> so she has to talk to the friends and family that are that are there. And right there, you've got kind of the trappings of a classic, you know, locked room mystery, but also a classic golden age type of mystery. You know, it's a big house. You've got lots of people. You have to sit down and bring the witnesses in one by one, get their story, put the clues together. And so Shana's partner says that he thinks that they're dealing with a runaway, whereas Shana is pretty convinced that the guy's been murdered. And while this is happening, there's also a really intense storm brewing outside that's coming their way. And eventually the storm hits and then isolates them and keeps them from getting back to the mainland. So now they're trapped on this island in this giant house with all of these suspicious, all of these suspicious characters, literally. And Shane is pretty sure that at least one of them is a murderer. And yeah, this book, it's, it was so well written. It was such a page turner. It was such an interesting, simple yet interesting mystery. And I think this could, this could spark a lot of discussions about, you know, similarities with, you know, maybe uh, some Agatha Christie stories or, 
you know, just kind of kind of those more classic style mysteries. Um, and I mean, to be perfectly honest, like with these types of books, I'm always the type of person like every time a new character comes up, I'm like, they did it. They did it. They did it. Like, I'm terrible at figuring it out. Like, eventually I get to the right <laughs> answer, but it's only because I suspect everyone. But in this case, I actually was surprised by the who done it, And I was like, oh. And then you go back and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that actually makes sense. So it's a really well-crafted mystery. And it's super enjoyable. And this is the book that I've recommended to a lot of readers at the library. And I, you know, I give them the basics of the story. But then I also tell them, I'm like, as soon as I finished with this book, I took a picture of the cover and texted it to my mother-in-law, who like really likes those types of stories. Like, she's not necessarily in a book club, but she likes reading those types of books. And I sent her a picture of the cover. I'm like, you need to read this immediately. And then the next thing I know, she's read like the first three books in the series and like listened to them all on audio. So she's she's ahead of me now. But yeah, th- and this is another like a lesser known title that. I I think is also helpful for book club people because a lot of the times they've read all of the, you know, the really big books that are are getting attention. And this one is kind of a little under the radar. So chances are they probably haven't heard of this one. Um, So now I have to ask you, Kendra, have you heard of this one? I I haven't. I feel like you're just giving me all sorts of <laughs> new books to read because I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because that's the thing that I struggle with is like, I don't like it when suddenly we figure out who the person is, but you you can't like follow along and see it the clues. Like I want to follow the clues and be able to figure it out for myself. I don't like I can't name the mysteries because that's a spoiler. But there are some <laughs> mysteries where you're like, wait, that person was not even a character the whole time. They just like popped out of the wall. Like what's happening? So it sounds <laughs> like this book is right up my alley. Yeah, you want the mystery to play fair. And yeah. that's, I really think this book does a good job. And there's so many characters that, you know, I think she does a really good job of keeping everything straight. And even though like all of the motivations and like, you know, the the clues, like they all tangle together, but she's just able to write the, just this really well-crafted mystery. It's really impressive. And it's very easy to not get it right. And so when an author does get it right, I am especially appreciative of it. But yeah, so that book is Death in the Family. It's the first book in the Shana Merchant series, and that is by Tessa Wieger. So my recommendation is going to be for the majority of women in my family. Uh, my mother-in-law, my two sisters-in-law, and my mom all love historical fiction mysteries all over it, like you would not believe how many Maisie Dobbs books I have heard about. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I recommended this book to my mom first because I knew like this was up my mom's alley. And then I ended up recommending it because I all saw my mom reading it on Goodreads because they're all friends apparently. And so everyone read it. And when I find this book in Overstock Stores, this is the stack I am buying. I I have gifted this book more than any other book in the history of my existence probably. Um, and that is The Willows, Widows of Malabar Hill by Sujata Massey. But today, I'm also going to be focusing on the the Satterper Moonstone, because that is actually my favorite in the series thus far. The third one is called The Bombay Prince. I will have them all in the show notes for you to go check out. Um, but the Satterper Moonstone is a little different 
from the first book. So one of the things I really like about this one is that it is set in the rural location because that takes Praveen out of her comfort zone and puts her into somewhere new. I think oftentimes when you have a series, you have the problem where the author is trying to like write the same book over and over, but that is not what the set of her moonstone is. So we have a lot of mystery, a lot of women in this house. Who's going to inherit? There's a lot of politics between women, and it is absolute chaos in the most delightful way. And that's the thing also that I think is really great is that this novel, once again, focuses on women in the circumstances trying to better themselves and their family. And it's just a lot of drama, but really well told. Uh, have you? I'm assuming you've read. Oh yeah, all all of them. Well, I was gonna say, um, again, the Bombay Prince. I think that might have come out. That might have come out right around the pandemic, where I have missed so many books over the last couple of years because my brain just cannot concentrate. So I own the Bombay Prince, but have not read it. But I have read the first the first two, Widows of Malabar Hill. I have suggested this to like every reader that has crossed my path. And <laughs> I the Satipur Moonstone, I really liked that one. And I liked it for reasons that I cannot explain because it gives away the mystery. But yeah, I oh my gosh. I I mean this this show it's either basically the Tana French show or the Sujata Masi show. Like that's pretty much we are we have all of the Red or Dead co-hosts have been huge Sujata Masi fans for sure. I discovered as we were talking before we started recording that the fourth book is coming out in May 2023. You can't see me doing a cheerleading motions right now. Um, and I have no idea what it's about. The recover is revealed. I will link it in the description box. It is called The Mistress uh, of Batia House. So again, it looks like it seems like it's going to be focusing on women, which I really love about Sujata Massey's work, focusing on women of the time in 1920s Bombay. As we all know, Praveen Mystery is like Bombay's like only woman solicitor. I am not sure what they call them. I don't think they call them lawyers at the time. Maybe solicitor is correct. But either way, she's amazing. We love her. She is just the best. And that's one of the things I think is really great about this series is that when you give someone the first book in a series and they love it, you basically have just set their lives on a more positive path. They have a whole series. (laughs) Well, I was going to say possible extra opportunities for gift giving, too. (laughs) Yes. Yes, as well. I love this series and recommend it so much. And also because, like, my mom, for example, she when she reads a mystery, she doesn't want there to be a ton of violence, a ton of sex scandal or language. She wants, like, a cozy mystery feel. But she also loves where that overlaps with historical fiction and mysteries. And so this is definitely in that wheelhouse as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this book is just such a good pick for so many different readers. And even like, I don't always consider myself, you know, like, I don't naturally gravitate towards historical mysteries. There's usually some other element that has to grab me. I love this series. It's oh my gosh, it's such a great pick for so many different readers. Yes. And I would say, you know, the first book in a series often is kind of slower because you're kind of setting up this whole character arc. And then that's definitely the case in The Widows of Malibar Hill. But the Satterper Moonstone and the Bombay Prince, they definitely pick up because you already have her backstory. 
such so basically what we're saying is you need to <laughs> everyone on your list needs to get all of them all the Sujatamasi books all of them i think the bombay prince is has come out in paperback if it isn't or or will be coming out shortly in paperback cuz i think it came out in like what 2021 or something i don't remember yeah so definitely at the right price point for that so definitely go check out all of the books by Sujata Massey, which again, will of course be linked in our show notes. <laughs> oh, right. We have no restraint. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, wow, we started, it was like, okay, three picks each. And then you just went and gave us like... <laughs> I did. I did cheat a little bit. <laughs> no, that's all right. So, I mean, obviously in the world of book gifting, this is not even the tip of the iceberg. It is the tip of the tip of the iceberg. So if there are any books that you love to gift to the people in your life, or if there's a book that someone gifted to you that just ended up being the most amazing read, let us know so that we can get more ideas for the people in our lives and so we can add to our own Christmas lists. Yes. Or whatever holiday lists you are you are creating. Yes, definitely. And yes, all of the holidays, we are, I mean, it's an excuse to give people that you love books. And I mean, I'm I'm up for that anytime, any reason. But the holidays are kind of magical sometimes. So all right. Well, that's our show. So thanks so much to everyone for listening. Of course, as usual, thank you to our wonderful sound magician, Jen Zink, uh, for always making us sound wonderful. We put you through your paces, Jen. <laughs> we did. We did. So much enthusiasm, so much stumbling over our words. For our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. And for even more recommendations, including all of the holiday gift-giving shows, you can head over to bookriot.com, where you can find our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback, book recommendations, or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. You can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester, that's K as in kite, D as in Dylan Winchester, and you can find Katie on Twitter at kt, K as in kite, T as in 10, underscore library lady. Of course, those will be linked in the show notes, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.